Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. All right, guys, let's jump in the word here. Let's go to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. I want to continue my series entitled Perfect Power for Imperfect People. How many would be honest enough to say, I might still be under construction? Let me see your hand. <laughs> Look around. There's, let's see if there's any perfect people. Come, let me give you more chance not to tell a lie on Sunday morning. How many want to raise their hand and say, I might still be under construction? Yeah. If anybody didn't raise their hand, would you bring them to me after service? I'd like their advice. All right. So what we're finding is that there is perfect power for imperfect people. Isn't that exciting? It's amazing. Let me say this before I move on. Ladies, 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 some exciting things coming up, a big outreach. I would like for all the ladies, I want you to hear this, all of our ladies, if you would meet with Pastor Phyllis immediately after service right over here in this section. Okay, let's do that. Ladies, just a few minutes after our service today. Now, perfect power for imperfect people. I'm going to read from Mark 1. What we're looking at today, my subtitle for today's teaching is this, the Jesus model. All right, someone say that with me. The Jesus model. Perfect power for imperfect people. What is the Jesus model? How does this work? Well, let's let's read this. Let's begin. We're going to go to Mark chapter 1 and verse 9. Does everybody, I want to make sure we don't leave anyone behind on this, Do we clearly understand how Jesus stepped on this planet about 2,000 years ago to become our Savior? Now, the Bible tells us in several places we could go one. We don't have this scripture here, but I want to make sure we're all tracking together. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W. It's a title, speaking of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word... Was The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Okay? And it says, all things were created by Him and through Him. So we know that, that the, the Bible tells us there's one God, but that He reveals Himself as the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus is God. He is eternal. He's always existed. But approximately 2,000 years ago, in God's perfect plan for us, God, Jesus Christ, was placed in the womb of a virgin named Mary so that she could give birth to his humanity. He laid down his divine privileges of being God. Are you with me? Not his nature, but his privileges. And so God himself was placed in the womb of Mary. Nine months later, she birthed his humanity. So as we read about Jesus in Scripture, we're reading here in Mark 1. He was clothed in our humanity. Do you understand that? Do you understand he was limited to our humanity? Everybody understand that? He walked on this earth and faced everything you and I face. Every emotion. Every temptation. Every attack of the devil. His humanity is just like yours and mine. That's sometimes hard to understand, isn't it? I find people get a little nervous with that. Now, on the inside... He was fully God, but he had laid his privilege down, but his nature was intact. God wrapped in human flesh. Now, the amazing thing about this is although he faced everything we face, he never sinned. He overcame everything. 
How many are thankful he shows us the way to live this life, this flesh? But I want you to realize, and the reason I took the time to do that today, is that everything, you must understand this, everything Jesus did on this earth, wrapped in our flesh, he did it by trusting in his Father, by relying on the Holy Spirit, listen to me, the same way you and I follow God, empowered by his Holy Spirit. So I want you to get that. Don't read the Gospels and see what Jesus did and say, well, that was God. No, no, it was God inside our flesh doing it with the same challenges you and I face. Now, why did he have to come do that? Because we needed a Savior who would die on the cross in our place. So when Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't a man dying. God died for us. Wrapped in our flesh, facing what we face, conquering every work of the devil. Can you say amen to that? It was that perfect sacrifice. So here he is, ready to begin his public ministry. He's been on the planet wrapped in our flesh for about 30 years. And it's time for him to begin those last three, three and a half years of public ministry. This is the Jesus model. I want you to connect to this. I've taken time to do this on a day I've already taken some other time. (laughs) I've already taken this time because you cannot miss this. This isn't just a story. What I'm teaching you today about one person and God and nobody can relate. What we're reading is a model of how you and I have access to the same Holy Spirit that quickened Jesus while he was on this earth. Did everybody hear what I said? The same spirit. Say same spirit. The same spirit. Not the watered down 2022 version. The same spirit. I'm thankful for that. That's what I want you to see. The Jesus model. So here we are. Mark chapter 1 verse 9. Let's jump in. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he, look at this, only Mark gives us this account. Watch this. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love with you. I am well pleased. So, so here we are. Uh, we, we have this incredible moment. Jesus is ready to begin his public ministry as he's being baptized by in water by John. As he comes out of the water, all four gospels say the Holy Spirit came on him. The power of God came on him. This perfect power that's available to imperfect people came on him to anoint him for his ministry. In this setting, Mark says Jesus saw the heaven, not skies. This is a spiritual realm word. When the Holy Spirit descended from heaven and came on him, there was literally a ripping open of a spiritual status quo that had never been challenged before. In other words, for the first time since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and Satan became the de facto spiritual head of this planet because he stole that from Adam. For the first time, are you listening to me? This spiritual bondage, this stronghold Satan had on this planet, for the first time, it was challenged and a hole ripped wide open. When the Holy Spirit came on Jesus, the blockade from heaven to earth was ripped open. And from that day to this day, there is perfect power available for imperfect people. Come on, how many can say amen to that? So he was empowered for his ministry. 
with the same Holy Spirit that works in your life and mine. Look at verse 15. He says this, that Mark 1.15. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. You see what happened? For the first time, the kingdom of God, God's reign, God's will, God's ability, God's power had come to establish itself on this planet. He said, I've got really good news for you. We just ripped a hole in the anti-aircraft covering over the planet and the spirit of God has now settled on this earth and we're about to do some brand new things. Come on. Anybody excited about that? I can't tell. You're kind of just looking at me this morning. I knew you were. Let's go to Luke chapter four. Come on. We're looking at the Jesus model. Luke four. Now, One of my heroes shared this in a message yesterday, Phoenix. So I'm going to pull a little bit out of this and show you something. Luke 4 verse 1. So what happened? He's, the Holy Spirit comes on him. It was such a powerful spiritual transformation that it ripped apart the demonic principalities in the heavenlies. There was something open. The kingdom of God was coming. But watch what immediately takes place. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. So he's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert where the devil tempted him for 40 days. So he goes in full. Someone say full. Okay, let's go to 14, verse 14. How did he come through that testing? Jesus returned to Galilee. How? In the power of the Holy Spirit. What are we talking about here? We're talking about perfect power For imperfect people. I have some really good news for you. If you and I would allow the Holy Spirit to empower us. Even if the devil tempts us. Challenges us. Comes against us. We're not just going to be full of the Holy Spirit. We're going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. See we need to stop talking about spirit filled. And start getting spirit empowered in the body of Christ. See, if I'm full, that means I don't need anything else. I've got all I need. But there's something more about than being full. There's something about having power. If I have the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm not only full, but I've got some left over for you. Can somebody say amen to that? How many need something extra in your home in this season? How many need something extra raising teenagers in this season? Tell the truth. How many need something extra paying the bills in this season, going to work in this season, making a marriage? work in this season. How many understand it's not enough to be full anymore. We can't just live off what I have. I can't just afford to say in the madness of where we are today, it's just about me and my family, us four and no more. We better start living bigger than ourselves. We'd better start realizing I need the power of the spirit. My church can't be a place where we run and hide out from the big bad world and, and, and can't face what's there. We better be a people empowered by the Holy Spirit because there's a season of ministry that God's preparing us for. Amen? So you see this, how this works. Let's go to Acts 10 and verse 38. How did Jesus do what he did? I'm giving you the Jesus model. Acts chapter 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and... Come on, I'll give you another chance. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and... 
What happens when you get anointed, become anointed, receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit and power? What do imperfect people do with perfect power? Let's keep reading. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Do you realize people are under the power of the devil? Did you just read that? And a church that is not empowered is not going to have any help for the people who are under the power of the devil. But the Bible says, for us imperfect people, greater is the one that's within us than the one that's within this world. We must have an empowered church following the model of Jesus. Can somebody say amen to that? Now, here's what we need to know. If we're going to fulfill the ministry of Jesus... If we're going to model who he is, what he did, if the church is going to be the body of Christ, reproduces ministry, we must have the same power that he did. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to show you how this happens. I'm going to teach you something that's not being taught enough in the church in America today. I'm not smarter than anybody else. How many heard what I just said? I didn't have to tell you that. You already knew that. I'm not smarter than anyone else. I'm not holier than anyone else. I don't think this church is better than anyone else. How many heard all those things I just said? But we're going to look at some truth that's being edited out of the life of the Western church. We need to tell the truth. We need to understand who we are. We don't need to frustrate people and tell, tell the church, hey, we have the same spirit Jesus did, and then leave people wondering, well, how does that work? What's the Jesus model look like? Can I give you some good news? God has given us gifts. Someone say gifts. How many like gifts? How many like gifts? You know what's a great thing about a gift? If it's a real gift, you didn't earn it. Somebody else paid for it and gave it to you because they loved you. Now, aren't you thankful? Jesus is never one of those gift givers that have a little string on it. Anybody ever given you a gift with a string on it? They give you a gift and then as soon as they give you the gift... Well, you know, that was really a nice gift I gave you. You know, that cost me a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I I just want you to know I've got some things I need you to help me do. Don't you? We don't do it because we're Christians, right? Have there ever been some gifts you wanted to give back? I don't think anybody will ever know this. It's too long ago. But we had a big moment early on in the church. Man, I was young. And... uh, we, we, we were praying for a miracle offering. We're excited. It was a critical moment, and God did it. Come on, he's faithful, isn't he? And uh, I was so excited. man came to my office. He said, Pastor, I'm going to give the church a house. I was like, whoa. I mean, we're a bunch of young people. I hadn't even, we had, had, had not had anyone give us a dog house, much less a house. You understand? I mean, nobody gave us a bird house. And this guy comes and says, I'm going to give you a house. I was like, whoa. So this is how that feels, huh? I was so excited, but then I found out <laughs> the house had a mortgage. He didn't give me a house, he gave me a mortgage. Well, I already had payments. You understand what I'm saying? So I said, you know, Lord, if he got the guts to give it, I got the guts to give it back. <laughs> and I did it. <laughs> He called me for a meeting and gave me a mortgage. I called him for a meeting and gave it back. I said, hey, I appreciate your giving and everything you know, the Lord asked you to do, but I just can't receive this gift. <laughs> there you go. Have a good day. God bless you. Thank you. See, there's some gifts 
You just want to give back, don't you? But there are other gifts that somebody paid for because they love you. Because they delight in you having it. Come on. Because they know what that gift's going to do for you. Because they understand that you need that gift in your life. And so we see this Jesus model. We see how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all those who were under the power of the devil. And so we're saying, God, that's awesome. But that's Jesus. And here we are. But remember the series, what we're learning. This is perfect power where for and in imperfect people. So how does that play out in the church? And again, this is what unfortunately is being left out, edited, not seen. And so how do we understand how God's going to do this without these passages? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 1. Someone say gifts. How many are thankful God gives his church gifts? See, a gift is not what I earned. It's what he gave me. It's what I needed. And so let's, let's read this. Beginning of verse 1 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, do you know that you and I, before we got saved, we were a bunch of pagans. I mean, come on. All right, let's go. I know you didn't think that. You don't like to say that about yourself. How would it get so quiet when it said pagan? You know what Aunt Esther used to call Fred Sanford, don't you? Fred, you heathen? That's another word for pagan. How many know we were a bunch of heathen pagans? Come on, somebody, thank God you're not a heathen pagan. Thank God Aunt Esther would like you now. Come on, tell the truth. All right, let's keep going. So somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore I tell you that no one, look at this, who's speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now watch this. Gifts. How does the church live out the Jesus model? There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, here we go. You ready for verse 7? Now, to only a few very spiritual people. Wow, it's kind of risky. God's going to use all of us imperfect people. Politely tap the person on the shoulder next to you and say, Pastor's talking to you right now. In case the one on the other side got missed, tap them too. Okay, you ready? Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Why? For the common good. It's not about the person. It's about the body. You with me? For the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the word of wisdom. To another the word of knowledge. By means of the same Spirit. To another faith. By the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing. By that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing or discerning between spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another the interpretation of those tongues. All of these are the work of whom? One and the same Spirit. And how do these gifts become distributed in the body of Christ? And he, the Holy Spirit, gives them to, there it is again, to whom? Each one, just as he determines, right? So what I want you to see, 
a, a spiritual gift is, is a gift that God puts in the church through the Holy Spirit so that we are enabled to reproduce the ministry of Jesus. It's just that simple. That's what we're here to do. We're here to reproduce the ministry of Jesus. We're here to collectively witness, live, show this world who Jesus is and what he's like. What the heart of the Father is, how he thinks, what he does. So I, I, I want you to see this. So we, we, let's go back to verse 1 here. Now about spiritual gifts. I love this. In, in, in the universally accepted W.E. Vines Expository Dictionary. Every Bible college student knows that book. Every professor of any denomination knows that book. And this word used for spiritual gifts in this verse, listen to me. Vine, W. Vine says, it is a, I love this, it is an after Pentecost word. In other words, that word was never found in the Old Testament. It was never found in the Gospels. It was only began to come through the verbiage of Christianity and reading in the Bible after the day of Pentecost. Do you know what launches the gifts of the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ? The baptism of the Holy Spirit. When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit in power, according to Acts 1 verse 8, it opens up an avenue of spiritual gifts. Churches that accept and embrace and receive and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit are churches that operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many hear what I'm saying? If we, if, I think, how many hear what I'm saying? Okay, still are getting there. All right, so I want you to see this. So here's a term that was released into the church following Acts chapter 2 in the day of Pentecost. And he says about these, I do not want you to be ignorant. That word is not an insulting word. We could translate this way. This is important. These passages must be understood by the church if we're going to do the Jesus model. How many understand that? So this word ignorant means to not know. He says, I can't afford my church not to know this. We can't follow this model if we don't understand it. So he says, I don't want the church to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. I don't want a believer not to be informed about spiritual gifts. What did verse 7 say? To each one. What did verse 11 say? To each one. What is a, we go back to verse 7 here. Let's look at it again. Verse 7 says, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. What is a manifestation? It is a visible, tangible evidence of the Holy Spirit's activity. It's not I think, I hope, maybe, who knows, I don't know. Visible, tangible expression of the Holy Spirit working. Everybody with me on that? That's a manifestation. These gifts are available to us. We are imperfect people with a perfect power operating in our life. Let me take you through this. It's, it's, it's a daunting challenge to try this right now. But I want you to understand and know. When we look at these nine gifts, these aren't all, but we look at these nine gifts. That are here in 1 Corinthians 12, they, they cluster in three groups. Listen to me. This is important because I'm talking to you about you. I want to show you how this works, not just on Sunday in church. This is how we live. Okay? So three of these gifts help us discern from the Holy Spirit's perspective. How many of you want to look at life from God's perspective and not your own? How many think God might just be seeing something above your eye level? How many believe God might just know something about a moment you don't know? Anybody with me? How, okay, so, so three of these gifts help us discern life from the Holy Spirit's perspective. 
Three of these gifts help us declare words from the Holy Spirit. How many of you would agree with me the Holy Spirit might have something to say I need to hear? How many of you think he might be able to say something above your knowledge or intellect? Okay. So three help us discern from the Holy Spirit's perspective. Three help us to do what? To declare words from the Holy Spirit. And three help us to demonstrate the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at these real quickly. What are the three that help us discern from the Holy Spirit's perspective? There's a word of knowledge. Very short, very succinct. What is the word of knowledge? It's not a human ability. This isn't human knowledge. You don't get this going to college. You should go to college. But this is supernatural, not natural. How many hear what I'm saying? It's simply the revelation of a fact. It's divine information. It's the Holy Spirit revealing to you a fact, information that you don't know. That you would not know had he not said that to you. What, what, Pastor, how does it work? You remember reading through the Gospels? How the Pharisees would be gathering around murmuring about Jesus. He would heal someone and they're over talking. Well, he did it on the Sabbath. You know, he shouldn't do that on the Sabbath. And the Bible said, knowing their thoughts. He'd turn to them and say, why did you say I shouldn't do that on the Sabbath? They're like, <clears throat> see, word of knowledge. Revelation of a fact. You say, well, you know, I'm not Jesus. I'm not preaching to Pharisees. Let me try this one on for you. I got a friend, a pastor, going through a horrible crisis. Two daughters, his wife with a debilitating disease in a nursing home. Started in her early 20s. He had to raise two daughters like that. And one night he's praying for one of his daughters. He's concerned about her, not sure where she is spiritually. She's out. He's praying. And the Holy Spirit said, get in your car. Drive to the so-and-so parking lot. Walk to the red car that you see parked there. Your daughter's in that car right now. I like that word of knowledge. You need that word of knowledge. How many understand? You, that, that, that son, that daughter, think they got mom and dad. You don't need an apple chip. You know the God of the universe. What's it like to walk up to that car and knock on that door? Hi, honey. Come on, dad. Now, we're going home. You need the word of knowledge. Okay? Stay with me. You say, for me, perfect power and imperfect people. Word of wisdom. Word of knowledge is the revelation of the fact. Word of wisdom is the application of the fact. It is a directional term. It is applied knowledge. We, we understand the mind, the purpose, and the will of God. I shared this with some of you before. Many years ago, my father was first saved. He was working for an architectural firm in Dallas, Texas, building the largest, tallest skyscraper in Dallas at that time. They could not figure out to make the HVAC, HVAC system work. My father was a junior uh, engineer and architect in the firm, and they couldn't solve this. They'd never done return air from that tall. It just wasn't working. And my dad was literally praying about what to do, and God woke him up in the night and said, do this and this and this and this. And he went in and presented it to his uh, superiors and they looked at him and said, that's not going to work. Just go away. Two weeks later, when nobody else could figure it out, he said, who was that guy? Bring him back in here. That building's HVAC system's working on a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom that my father got from the Lord that'll work. I think we need perfect power and imperfect people. Anybody with me? Discerning of spirits. What is that? It's just simply the discernment understanding the source behind a word or an action. What spirit motivated that action? We need to know that. 
We are living in a crazy, mad world today. Have you ever been in a moment, this gift may be operating in your life, you didn't even understand it, where you walk in and something's off. You read something and inside you, something's off. You meet a person and it sounds right, but something's off. It is the ability to know the spirit behind something. It's Listen, you know, let, let me help you. you. You really need perfect power. The gift of discernment working in your life. If you spend 30 seconds on social media without the gift of discernment, you're a sitting duck. Okay, I'll settle here on this side of the church. All those pictures on social media of this guy's 50 and he's got his high school graduation picture on there. Without discernment, he's so cute. Please. All that foolishness. You need some discernment. You need some discernment. It works like that. Go to Acts chapter 16 real quick. Come on. Anybody learning something with these things? Come on. Acts 16 verse 16. It, we, we need this. Aren't you thankful God's present to do this in our life? Acts 16, 16. Look at this. Uh, now, Paul is in Philippi the first time the gospel went to the continent of Europe. The very first time the gospel was introduced to the continent of Europe. And watch the devil try to tag team, co-sign on the spirit of God because the devil knows if he can't beat you face to face... He's going to try to do something else to deter what God is doing. You watch with me? Now with me, Acts 16, 16. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, watch this. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit, little s, not Holy Spirit, demon spirit, by which she predicted the future. I would not be getting my fortune told. I would not be reading tarot cards. I would not go to Madame Bazingo's house. I don't care if it's your auntie. And said it's passed down in the family. Somebody needs to stop it in that family. She had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. Now watch this. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting. Look, look what, now watch this. You better have discernment. She was saying, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. What she said was right, but it was why she was saying it. You need some discernment. Half the people I know today would have hired her for their PR firm. Got a devil working in the church. I'm going to. So she kept, verse 18, she kept this up for many days. Now watch, here's what happened. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the, not the girl, she's not the problem, to the spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. We need the gift of discernment. We need the Holy Spirit working in us, through us, talking. I, I don't have time. I'm, there's a clock up there. That's when I'm dancing around trying to look at through the decorations for the next ladies' event. And so what I want you to see 
is that there is so much available to us as God's working through His Spirit in our lives. These gifts are not just put on a shelf for a uh, historical look at the church. These gifts are not locked in a closet for Sunday. These movings of the Holy Spirit are inside of every one of us if we will allow the power of the Holy Spirit to become a daily walk in our life we will begin to understand that God is with us and God is for us and God is in us and God is moving and there is nothing the devil throws at you that God has not already prepared you for there is no crisis bigger than him there is no situation he does not have wisdom for there is no moment he does not have knowledge about there is not a situation not a moment not a thing we're not to be worried I'm not worried if I'm telling someone about Jesus people always tell me this well what if they ask me a question I don't know well what if the Holy Spirit gives you an answer to a question you didn't know and you boom sing them right there on that thing you are a walking living breathing nightmare to every demon in North Alabama you are a living breathing Holy Spirit conduit for heaven to come to this earth in your home in your family in your work you're anointed to go to work tomorrow you're a, look, I know the kids don't feel it, but they're anointed to go to school tomorrow. You're anointed to raise your children. You're anointed to bless your marriage. We're anointed to release Jesus into North Alabama. I'm going to give you the rest of these, but I, I, I don't have time today. I can't get them all out. It's, it's there, but we're going to study. Will you let me give you some more next week? We're, I, I, see, I, I'm having to teach us. I want to preach, but I'm teaching. Because we don't know. And 1 Corinthians 12.1 says we need to know. We need to understand. We need to stop spacing out over spiritual gifts and tongues and miracles. And act like that's abnormal. I love what Pastor Phyllis shared with us last week. Look me in the face. You need to understand that we're not normal. Hallelujah. We're not normal. I'm not normal. I accepted that a long time ago. You need to be comfortable in your skin as a believer. You need to know who you are and be okay with that. In fact, I'm going to say what no pastor has ever said before. And they tell me don't say it. You don't want to come to church here. If you want to be normal. This is not the right place. There's other choices. You don't want to come here. You don't want to come here. If you don't want to be full of the Holy Spirit. You just don't want to come here. You don't want to come here if you want somebody to tell you every Sunday that the devil's going to win and God's going to lose. You don't want to come here if somebody, you want to go get an excuse for failing and failing and failing. I'm going to tell you there's freedom and victory and you can overcome by the power of the Holy Spirit and God can heal and restore. You don't want to come here if you're saying, well, I'm too young to serve God now. I'll wait till I'm older. I'm going to tell you something every day that you forfeit not serving Jesus as the Lord of your life you have wasted a day that could change your history your legacy your future and everything that goes in front of you if you don't think Christianity is valid for today and relevant and works you don't need to come to church here but if you are hungry if you are open if you are willing if you're real if you're relevant if you want to make life work we have some really good news for you around this place Here's what I want to say. When the worship team come with me, I want you to listen. Everybody listen, listen right now. Jesus had a moment 
where the word of knowledge operated in his life. And he was in Samaria on his way to Jerusalem. Listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. And he met a lady who was an outcast. She was ostracized. We know that because she was out getting water in the middle of the day when all the other women would come early in the morning and late in the afternoon. She was there because the other women didn't like her. She was there because she was embarrassed about her life. But that day, God had an appointment for her. When she was all alone and no one else was there, Jesus found her. In fact, John 4 says he had to go there. He had to go there. Why did he have to go there? Because the Spirit of God was leading him like he leads you. And he began a conversation with this lady and she was wanting to talk religion. We Samaritans worship on this mountain. You Jews worship on that mountain. See, she was down here. And Jesus said, lady, listen to me, everyone in this room right now. And everyone on that screen, listen to me. He said, lady, (laughs) you're missing it. He said, let me tell you something. You've been married five times and you've given up on marriage. And now you just live with the man. She says, I think you're a prophet. I said, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I want to tell you what's happening right now in this moment. That was a word of knowledge that Jesus shared with her. How did he know that? Not because he was God in heaven. He was on earth wrapped in our flesh. But the Holy Spirit was operating through him. See, there was an occasion where they brought a lady to him. Remember that? And they wanted to stone her to death. We saw it in the human video. But what did Jesus do? Have you ever thought about this? It said he wrote in the dirt. wonder what he wrote in the dirt. I think I know what he wrote in the dirt. I think there was a word of knowledge. And I think he was writing all the sins of the guys holding the rocks. And he's writing, you know, oh, oh, Zachariah there. Zachariah, three weeks ago last night. You were at her house. That's why you want to kill the witness. And you know what God's doing right now with me? I'm the dirt. And he's riding in me right now. Because he told me to stop everything and tell someone in this room that you mean more to him than you could ever ask or imagine. And if he can get in this human clay flesh like you and me and speak into your heart he'll take every opportunity so today you had to listen and I had to say so let's do something about it right now let's quit looking at the people holding the stones and the rocks stop looking at five failures or caught in the act instead of being concerned being caught in the act Let's start thinking of being caught in the mercy of God. Caught in the mercy of God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.